Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 18th day of May 2023. That means it's Thursday. Yes, it is Thursday. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. You can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. You can curse me out on Twitter at Derek A. Hunter. You can do with it what you will. You know, just don't call me late for dinner. That's all I ask. All right. So don't forget about the uh, curse show. I just, I'm already feeling it this week. I've got a kid turning six, feeling old, feeling weird actually all week, like not, not well. I got a cat screaming at me. Go away, buddy, Stuna. I got a cat screaming at me. It's busy, busy time. So the uh, week in effing review is going to be lit. I just spent, I don't know, three hours, four hours doing yard work. I'm covered in sweat and I haven't had dinner yet. I didn't even actually, the hell, did I have lunch? I didn't. Anyway, yeah, that's my day. Hope yours was better. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or Derek Hunter com. Plus, you'll help out the show. Help out me, by which I mean the show. All right, so we've got a lot of news. We've got a lot of things going on. I, there's reports going on about what's happening at Fox News. Now, I don't know. I don't know how many sources Matt Drudge has at... Uh, Fox News anymore. He used to work at Fox News. But he's got a big breaking story that's burning up social media, so I'll take a minute to address it and tell you why I I don't I don't think it much matters. I think all that really matters is who they replace the who the new host is somehow, some way. And what they do if they should just bring back Tucker, to be honest with you. Just eat a pile of crap. Say we screwed up and bring Tucker back, if you can get him at this point. But they're, they're not going to do that. Corporations, I mean, just look at what Bud Light is doing to its brand. There's not much difference between what Bud Light did with Dylan Mulvaney, what Miller Light is doing with the other chick about women are beer makers. Like, shut up. And what Fox is doing with Tucker. It is you've got a brand and you're destroying it. You're destroying it. You can't articulate to the person why the person was let go or why they're no longer on your air. You won't bother to. You don't feel like you have to. It is the arrogance of your success. And Fox is learning the hard way that past success is no indication of future success. So what the uh, executives are allegedly thinking of doing this is, according to the Drudge Report, is overwritten up over at Mediaite. They write, the Drudge Report dropped a siren-blaring scoop on Wednesday announcing an imminent shakeup at Fox News, eventually reporting that Sean Hannity will take over the 8 p.m. slot. Quote, world-exclusive Fox News sets new schedule. Read the headline from Matt Drudge on the highly-trafficked website he founded. Drudge eventually updated the headline to note that Hannity's new gig, as well as report both Jesse Waters and Greg Gutfeld, would be heading to prime time. Waters currently hosts one of Fox's top-rated shows at 7 p.m., while Gutfeld hosts a highly-rated late-night show at 11 p.m. Both co-host Fox's top-rated program, The Five. Hannity, meanwhile, broke the record for longest-running cable news primetime host in April of 2022, eclipsing Larry King at 25 years, 6 months, and 15 days. Now, can this overcome? Back to me now. Can this overcome the self-inflicted wounds that Fox has committed over the past couple of weeks? No, it can't. No, it can't. Each one of these people is fine at what they do. They are successful. They win their time slots, and they have since their inception. Although I suspect that a lot of Fox winning their time slots was predicated upon people watching Fox because they always watched Fox. The firing of Tucker Carlson shook that up quite a bit. And they've lost more than a million to a million and a half, depending on the night, viewers. That is not normal. That is not good. Those people may eventually come back. MSNBC took a major hit in ratings when the Mueller report came out and proved that at 95%, if that's being low, 
of what they were saying on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, was BS. And so uh, their audience was like, wait a second, we were promised Trump's head on a pike and we're getting it that he was cleared. This is garbage. And then they left. But they came back because where else are they going to go? If you're a committed leftist, you aren't going to start watching Fox News. Nobody wants to start watching CNN. So you don't really have much of a choice. Same thing with Fox, for the most part. Newsmax exists, but it's not exactly burning up the charts. It is. It celebrates beating CNN, which local public access beats CNN. I mean, I guess. You say, we're the fastest growing news channel in America is not really, again, once you control the unit of measure, you control everything. Yeah, you're the fastest growing because you go from an audience of 100,000 to 150,000. That's 50% growth. No other network will experience 50% growth. Why? Because their baseline is significantly higher by like tenfold. So it's unlikely except for special events. So it's really easy for somebody with no audience to grow rather significantly, rather quickly. I'm not trying to be salt and rain on anybody's parade. It's just true. Okay, it's just true. Newsmax gets total number of viewers what Fox would normally get in the, the targeted demo, which is 1835-year-old. It's just, there's no comparison. So people are, what are they going to do? If they want to get news, are they going to start reading? That's just not what most Americans do. So eventually something will happen that will cause the American public to want to consume live breaking news coverage. And Fox dominates at that. And once you get back into people's bloodstreams, like quitting, this is why you never start, you never smoke casually when you quit smoking, right? You quit smoking. And then you're out, you're out. A friend of mine quit smoking for four months. And then he was out having a couple of drinks with some friends and decided to smoke. Oh, I'll just have a smoke. I'll just have a cup, bum a couple of cigarettes. What's the harm? Next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. He's buying cigarettes again on his way home because, you know, he just got, yeah, just have a pack. Right? It's the harm in having a pack. And then they've got you. They've got you. So you never count anything out. That being said, I look at this potential lineup, and it's not confirmed yet. Who knows? By the time you hear this, maybe it will be. But it's uh, 6 o'clock now, and it isn't confirmed yet. You look at this information, and I don't see how this works. Hannity is Hannity. Hannity is a completely different show from O'Reilly, from Tucker, from everything they've had at 8 o'clock. A very different show. I hope to, you know, I'd love to see Hannity become more of a news show become more of a news show that was less dependent on the same seven guests every day just in a different order i guess every once in a while they give some of them a break so the same seven out of nine guests every day i just don't see that happening at eight o'clock is the anchor of your network's prime time lineup that doesn't seem to work sameness 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 is not innovation. It's not what interests audiences. It's not what gathers audiences. It's not what grows audiences. It is comfort food. If you just want comfort food, there you go. Taking Jesse Waters from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock, I think, is another mistake. Jesse Waters seems perfectly nice, a perfectly affable guy. I've had individual dealings with Jesse Waters about a year ago, I guess. He he was perfectly nice. He didn't have a, you know, I don't know the guy personally, but he was perfectly nice in the dealings I had with him. That being said, he is not a primetime host, nighttime like serious host. You watch his monologues, and they're intercut with Billy Madison clips and uh, Happy Gilmore. Look, I love those movies. I do. But I don't want stupidity injected into my news coverage. 
I get it. The man on the street stuff. It probably kills the audience. I'm probably not the target demographic, to be honest with you, because I would like more news in my news. But we're just not going to get it. That being said, watching Jesse Waters, he gets a lot wrong. Not necessarily major things, but he gets a lot wrong. Not maliciously wrong, just some of the basics wrong. I can't cite a specific example right now because I didn't think of it in these terms. And I'm not going to search a database of Jesse Waters getting things factually incorrect. It's not malicious. He's not saying, well, the the Mueller report was... It's not what MSNBC does. They deliberately lie. It is Jesse Waters just being wrong, not doing the work. Okay? You've been in the news business for a long time. A lot of this stuff should be second nature if you pay attention to the news. I don't look up what I talk about every single day. I don't go back and go, oh, geez, if I'm going to make a Clinton reference, what should I, should I look up and make sure that it was Ken Starr to start? No, you just, if you're in it to win it, you remember these things. And he doesn't seem to. He doesn't seem to. Which, to my mind, is not an indication of intelligence. It's an indication of he's got two shows. He's very busy. And he just goes, uh, you know what? Just put it on the page, producer. And you hire a 25-year-old producer who writes the script for you because you're busy doing your other show. And the next thing you know, history begins for them every single day. So they get things wrong. And you're not paying close enough attention to notice it. Plus, there was one time when he's got that segment near the end of his show, at least he used to, called Water's Window or whatever, which I guess is supposed to be like a window into his world. And he made a huge mistake there. One time, I don't know, a few months ago, he talked about how he just makes it up on the spot. And most of the time he doesn't have a point. And if you listen to the segment, you already knew that. You just at least thought he tried. But he said to the audience, he told the audience, no, I don't even bother trying. It's not even, I don't bother trying. This segment is a throwaway segment. I just make stuff up. It doesn't have a point. It's not a complete thought. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And I thought, that's that's wildly un- counterproductive to tell your audience that any part of your show you simply don't give enough of a damn about to prepare for in any way, shape, or form. But you do it anyway because it's so easy to just go out. And essentially you're saying it doesn't matter what I do. You suckers are going to consume whatever I cook for dinner. I'm going to cook up a pot of gruel and you're going to eat it and you're going to love it. It doesn't matter. You'll take anything I give you. I personally, I obviously people didn't take it that way, but I took it that way. It's kind of an annoying thing to me. So I'd much rather have somebody serious who wants to be there, who wants to make a difference, who, who does want to make ratings, but wants to make a difference, first wants to ed- educate and entertain the audience, more educate than entertain the audience. And I just don't see that being Jesse Waters. He's capable of it. He's done some great shows. I just don't see that being his goal day in, day out. As for Gutfeld being at 10 o'clock, the problem is Gutfeld tapes his show at 7 o'clock. If you ever notice, anything breaks, anything changes between 7 o'clock and 11 o'clock, it gets no mention on Gutfeld. Fox's primetime lineup used to record a lot of their shows. A lot of their shows, often the whole show, were recorded. So when there's breaking news in commercial breaks, they'd go to Trace Gallagher in the West Coast newsroom where they uh, he would update you on the latest breaking news about a shooting or a plane crash or something. And then they'd go right back to whatever show was already in progress that didn't mention it at all. It's because the host, like, I'd much rather be at dinner or out at the movie or whatever than working at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Can't blame them, except for the fact they're paid millions of dollars to work at that time. If I'm Fox, I'm saying I don't really care. You can burn up your vacation days on your dinners if you want, except for on special occasions or special shows on a Friday or something. You're going to be in that seat at the time. Those should be conditions of employment. I don't know if that means that Gutfeld then starts doing his show live at 10 o'clock because... The difference between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, 
10 o'clock is still prime time. People haven't gone to bed on the west, on the east coast. On the west coast, it's only 7 o'clock. People are just getting started. They want to catch up on what's going on. You can't be in the can several hours earlier because it crimps your social life. So I don't know how that works. Plus, Gutfeld makes some salient points every once in a while, but it's not a news program. It's not. It's a discussion of news and current events and pop culture to one degree or another, but it is not a straight news program. Putting that at 10 o'clock either means that they're going to fundamentally transform what the 10 o'clock time slot means in cable, quote-unquote, news, or they're going to change what Gutfeld does, which I'm not sure that... I don't think there's anybody out there who wants to actually get their news from Greg Gutfeld. They want to laugh at the news with Greg Gutfeld. I don't think that plays at 10 o'clock. So I don't know that I believe this because I think it's stupid, for lack of a better word. Now, who do you put in there instead? Where's Laura Ingram end up? I I don't know. I don't know. Seems like you just got to bite the bullet, go back to Tucker, apologize, and get him to come back. And however many piles of money you have to dump on his front lawn to get him to do it, you got to dump that many piles of money on his front lawn to do it. Just seems like the way to go. So I'm not putting much stock in this. And if it does happen this way, this would be a huge opportunity for some company to start a new conservative alternative. Like Newsmax could do it, but they'd have to clean house almost wholesale. They'd have to up their production values. They'd have to do a lot of things differently. And they're not about to do that. Their, their value, they recognize that their value is in the number of houses that they're in. That's why they threw such a fit when uh, DirecTV booted them off because it impacted their value. They're not. You look at their commercials. They're not making money through ad revenue. They're making their value is the valuation of the company based on the number of households it's in. Period. They'd have to really seriously take loans, sell stock, and invest that money for talent, for real talent, for production, for everything. In a way that I don't think they're ready to do. I don't think they're willing to do it. Maybe they haven't done it thus far because they knew they'd never beat Fox. Now they have a chance. I don't know. But there is room out there for something else. News Nation, you know, they're a refugee camp for people who've been fired from CNN, seemingly, and some other places. But this might be their moment if they step up and play their cards right. That being said, the people involved in that company have never played their cards right at any of the outlets they've worked at before. So why would they start now? The whole thing is just a mess, and it all goes back to Fox News crapped the bed when they fired Tucker Carlson, and they don't know what to do about it. They get rid of just about anybody else, but getting rid of Tucker was wildly stupid, and they did it for Seemingly no reason. Anyway, enough about that. Nobody else is going to tell you that. One thing I will say about conservative media, and another reason why I want there to be a Fox challenger, a legitimate Fox challenger, that actually does journalism, top of commentary, is because everybody everybody on the right, everybody in radio, everybody in podcasts, everybody who writes, they're all too afraid to criticize Fox. I do it. And I've never, I, I used to be on Fox fairly regularly, not all that often, but fairly regularly for me. And uh, it's just, now it's, nope. You, you, you criticize Fox. Well, it's, because, it's not because they're listening to this podcast. It's because they book the same 12 people throughout the course of the day. It's incredibly lazy. Complacent. Complacency has ruined Fox News. That's the real problem over there. It's like, oh, well, this person does well. Get this person. Do they know anything about the topic at hand? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Get them on. People like looking at them. People like listening to them. Whatever. Hell, let's give them a show. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do the other thing. But if you criticize Fox, you run risk of getting banned. There is a banned list. You do get banned over at Fox. 
because you've said things about one of their shows, one of their hosts, one of their whatevers. I've known people who are banned. I've known organizations who are banned because somebody associated with an organization said something critical and they said, oh, screw it. Let's just ban them all. It was, it is ridiculous. Criticism should be seen as an opportunity if it's valid and not malicious or place from a place of jealousy. It should be seen as an opportunity to get some constructive criticism. Get your head outside of your rear end in the echo chamber in which you live and go, wait a second. Maybe they got a point or maybe they don't have a point. You should be adult enough to take it. And sadly, they're not. At least they weren't. I don't know what they're like now. But they should really, rather than focusing about banning people because they said something critical about it, they should look at the criticism. Mine first and foremost. Stop booking the same idiots all the time simply because you think they rate. I don't care if they're a columnist, radio host, member of Congress. If they don't know what the hell they're talking about, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Oh, they might be pretty. They might be cute. They might look good on TV. They might bring a fan base, whatever. It doesn't matter. They don't bring facts. First and foremost, they shouldn't be on an organization that calls itself news. They just shouldn't. Anyway, here endeth the preaching and lesson. Okay, I want to uh, talk for a second about something that's absolutely amazing going on in the world. It's shocking how this happens, and it's something I write about well, I've got a, I don't know if it's up today or not. Check with me, check my um, Twitter feed or whatever, because I just became a contributor to the thehill.com on top of Town Hall. And it's all, it's a trial thing, and we'll see if I can produce and they can like what I produce, whatever. But it is, uh, it's per clay. People got to read it. If people don't read it, then they aren't going to, up it. I'll pimp it tomorrow if if and I if it shows up. I don't know if what they did. I, I submitted something and we'll see if it runs. But it is in con, sort of conjunction with my town hall column today. A peek inside the Democratic Party and their priorities. And the damaging thing of their priorities. I talked yesterday about my town hall column. It's entitled, The Left and the Right Live in Two Different Worlds. And they just do. I don't know what the Hill thing's going to be entitled. Ultimately, they'll get to choose that. But it's about how to destroy cities, how to destroy things. And it's kind of funny because this left-wing organization called The Recount, I thought they were going to go out of business, but left-wing rich people throw money around. And they go, I expect no return on this investment. I'll never see this money again. But I want there to be as many propaganda outfits as possible out there. So I'm going to keep running it and keep I'm going to keep throwing good money after bad. The bottom of their daily email, they said, food for thought. It says, mayors of the 50 largest U.S. cities, 74% of the top 50 most populous cities in the U.S. are led by Democrats. Here's the breakdown. It's 37 Democrats, 9 Republicans, and 4 Independents are unaffiliated. They're all radical leftists. Like, they refuse to consider themselves to even be Democrats. Um, Is that something to be bragging about? Is there a major city out there that isn't overrun with homelessness, junkies, fentanyl overdoses, people defecating on the street, crime, people having the crap beat out of them for no good reason? Is there any? Can you think of one? Honestly, I'll I'll wait, <laughs> but there isn't one. New York City, right? Yeah, it's way around. Okay, great. It's a disaster. It's a me- well, yeah, but still, we run it. Congratulations, you can be the designated driver because you're sober. But if you drive like crap and wrap the car around a telephone pole, doesn't because you suck at driving. Doesn't really matter all that much that you are sober, and the end result is everybody's dead. See what I'm saying? See where I'm going? So you look at these cities and you think, my God, somebody somewhere along the way has to do something that would be, I don't know, interesting, counter, counterintuitive for a progressive Democrat. Something designed to make things better, if only by accident. But they're not. 
they're not. And this brings us to the new mayor of Chicago. The new mayor of Chicago is Brandon Johnson. He's just got into office. And boy, howdy, they are getting ready to embrace the stupid even more. You thought that Lori Lightweight was, you thought that Baby Yoda, Mayor Baby Yoda was a a step in the wrong direction. Brandon Johnson is going to be a leap in the wrong direction because he's allies, the people who will influence him, the people who will have a bigger say over the city's budgeting priorities than anybody on city council than any citizen of Chicago is amazing. Crane's Chicago Business reports the following. Allies of Mayor Brandon Johnson today are rolling out a $12 billion financial proposal that doubles down on controversial tax hike ideas pitched by Johnson during his campaign and adds a few more, including enactment of a city wealth tax, an income tax, deep cuts in police spending, and an effective end to all tax enforcement or all tax increment financing projects. Authors of the proposal, which also includes a tax on vacant high-end rental apartments, are great. People are leaving the city, they're chasing the people out, and they're then taxing the property owners. You can't fill that property, we're going to tax you. Apartments say they're not fronting for Johnson and suggest they rather are trying to hold his feet to the fire and push him to stand by his campaign promises in a way they believe the former mayor, Lori Lightfoot, did not do. Whatever the motivations, the proposals potentially affect not only businesses, but hundreds of thousands of middle-class Chicagoans as well as suburban residents who work in the city. Isn't that great? They're gonna, you'll find out the proposals. But it is put forward by... Uh, now, this is where it's great. This is what, the group, this is what their uh, proposal is entitled. They could have called it anything they wanted. They could have called it anything they wanted. But leftists live in a world where they only deal with other leftists. And so the idea of going, wow, I, that doesn't sound very good. That doesn't sound very friendly. It doesn't sound like something people would like. doesn't occur to them because they all nod around and go, good, we've carved out, made sure we're safe. Now let's get to screwing over everybody else. Their proposal is called, First We Get the Money, colon, $12 billion to fund a just Chicago. It comes from the Action Center on Race and the Economy and the People's Unity Platform. Now, don't those things just sound, well, honestly, Soviet. So what are they proposing in Chicago? Now, remember, crime is through the roof. People are fleeing Chicago. They have a problem with... Teens, as they always say, teens gone wild and rioting and looting. They, uh, the mayor, now mayor, refused to condemn the rioting teens who were beating the hell out of people and robbing businesses because, you know, kids will be kids. What are you going to do? What are these proposals? Well, here you go. They want to reinstate the head tax of $33 per worker on companies with at least 50 workers, netting $106 million a year, they say. $33 per employee. They always call the Soviets, the Russians always called them workers. Per employee for companies with over 50 employees. Now, if you have 300 employees, why the hell would you stay in the city of Chicago? Why would you stay in this? If you're currently in the city of Chicago, why would you go there? Well, it's just another almost 10 grand per. It doesn't really matter. It's not that. You're a big company. Every little bit counts. And this isn't the only way they're screwing businesses. So why would you stay? You would flee. Next, raising the real estate transaction fee on sales of at least $1 million by 1.9 percentage points, a move that the group estimates would generate $163 million. Again, more taxes, but it's just on the rich. It's just on the rich. Huh. Well, here's more. Not necessarily the rich. While New York City is more expensive and California cities like L.A. and San Francisco are more expensive to live in, Chicago ain't exactly cheap. So making $100,000 in Chicago is not like making $100,000 in Dubuque, Iowa. So what are they proposing? The first is a move 
to impose a city income tax of 3.5% on any household with income above $100,000 a year. Remember when it was the millionaires and billionaires and then, oh, wait, now $100,000, huh? Even Joe Biden is at least pretending he's not going to raise taxes on anybody making over $400,000 a year. It's a lie, but at least he's pretending. These leftists in Chicago don't care. The tax would apply to both Chicago residents and money made by suburbanite employees in the city and would yield an estimated $2.1 billion a year. You don't live in Chicago. You don't avail yourself of city services in Chicago, but you work in Chicago. Screw you. We're going to take 3.5% of your money. Now, once they break the hymen on the concept of this money, this percent, raising the percent is mere formality. A commuter tax is insane, and it's settled pretty easily. People go, I'm going to quit. We're all going to quit in mass unless you move the company out of the city because we don't want to pay this stupid tax. We don't want to take this hit. We're already getting screwed over by inflation, thanks to Joe Biden. How about you help us out? And all the other ways that they're screwing over businesses, businesses will go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Let's move. The group bills this tax as a levy on high earners. U.S. Census Bureau indicates that the average Chicago household now has annual income of $100,347,000. So they're going to hit a lot more people. They're going to hit a lot of people in Chicago. They don't really care. It's not your money anyway. It's government's money that they're allowing you to keep. Another $906 million would come from a 0.4% annual wealth tax on the richest 10% of Chicagoans. The report's co-authors, Gabrielle Noah Bet- Bet- Betancourt, says she does not have adequate background data to say how much someone would have to be worth to pay the tax, but stressed that only personal liquid assets like stock holdings would be covered, not retirement accounts and real estate. They're exempt. Isn't that nice? Except for now, once it doesn't yield enough money because people left or people have sheltered their money, then suddenly it will more be more. But imagine you own stock. You're not getting dividends from it. The money's being reinvested. You're not getting anything from it. You haven't sold the stock, but because the stock exists, they're going to charge you a chunk of it. Charge you a ton. It's only 0.4%. Again, 0.4% is more than nothing. People with a lot of assets don't have a lot of liquid, don't have a lot of cash sometimes. They're going to have to sell a lot of things. That's going to pervert the market. That's going to hurt other people, normal people's 401ks. Do Democrats give a damn? No, they want to crash the 401k market. Why? So that when it starts, the stock market crashes, we need to take over the 401k market. We need to take, we need to manage these retirement accounts for people. The stock market's just too volatile. Yeah, when you force people to sell a ton, when they don't want to, it does make the stock market volatile. Hmm. Weird how that works. A new a digital ad tax of thirteen percent would apply to bills for uh, would apply to bills for online advertising. Betancourt said it would apply to companies with at least twenty five million dollars in digital ad revenue, with only nine large corporations now hitting that mark, including Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Twitter. A tax on luxury apartment vacancies would apply to landlords who own more than twenty units with rents above the city average. If the unit involved sat empty for more than 12 months and more than three units were vacant, the property owners would have to pay the equivalent of rent to the city. (laughs) Bati says that the intent is to pressure landlords into lowering rents to more affordable levels. I can promise you that luxury apartments will never become more affordable for the people they're talking about. They just want to punish people and they want to use accounting gimmicks to get more money. Well, but they're not done. They're not even close to the peak of stupidity yet. The plan includes a tax of $1 to $2 on financial transactions and other financial exchanges, with the city getting at least $2 billion. On financial, every financial transaction, there's the city of Chicago sitting there good and wetting its beak, selling some commodities. Welcome to Chicago. The government is now your partner. They just want to wet their beak a little bit. It's just a dollar to two dollars for now. 
It always starts off as a dollar to two dollars. It always starts off as just a, for a few people, doesn't it? Then it changes. And then you got this one. The police plan. This is one of those things where you're just going, you're, you're kidding me, right? On the spending side of the ledger, the plan calls for eliminating all vacant poli- positions in the Chicago Police Department. All vacant positions. There are several hundred police down because the politicians are horrible people and have demonized the police to the point that people don't want to be police. It's hard for them to hire police officers, but they desperately need it because crime is through the roof, murders through the roof. They want to eliminate them. Don't refill them. Nope, 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 nope. And if that weren't dumb enough, they then want to cut the Chicago Police Department budget by 9% a year. 9%. Defunding the police, getting rid of police positions. In Chicago, where wilding is now a pastime, where teens just decide to go on a rampage, because why? Because why not? Who are they to say? And you're thinking that this is going to be the way to go? This is the way to bring the Windy City back? Absolutely not. But Now, all of these things are not proposed by the new mayor. I bet you, though, that all of these things are uh, right in the wheelhouse of sympathies of the new mayor, if I had to guess. So what will that matter? Will it change things? Will this become the law? Probably, because who's going to stop it? This is what I mean. When you decide that you're going to go with it, we got a new chance to get a new mayor, and you go, you know what? The whole guy driving us straight to hell in a handbasket. Well, let's just get a bigger, nicer handbasket to go to hell in. Let's get there faster. You begin to see the problems here with progressivism. This is what they are. This is what they do. So good luck to you, Chicago. I love Chicago. I love Chicago. It was one of my favorite places to go when I was younger. It was just a five-hour drive from Detroit. It, their last call was way later. Detroit's is last, 2 o'clock, and it's uh, 3 o'clock on Thursdays or 4 o'clock in clubs, and then it's an hour later on Saturday. It was just awesome. It was awesome to go and party in Chicago. Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the family there. I just wouldn't. It's sad. Um, you remember yesterday when I – I think it was yesterday when I played you the Don, John Fetterman clip – at the committee hearing and it was like is he asking questions or is he stopping what the hell is going on here we didn't really know john fetterman didn't really know no one really knew and so he just kind of stopped talking and gave his time back to the chairman well a guy called jeff stein who is the white house economics reporter at the washington post tweeted yesterday a quote from senator fetterman said quote Senator Fetterman to SVB, Silicon Valley Bank executive Greg Becker, quote, shouldn't you have a working requirement after we bail out your bank? Republicans seem to be more preoccupied with SNAP requirements for hungry people than protecting taxpayers that have to bail out these banks. That's a pretty coherent statement there from John Fetterman. The problem is, as I'll I'll play you the clip again. Actually, I'll, it's a little long, but I'll play I'll play you just the relevant part of it. The problem is, John Fetterman didn't come anywhere close to saying anything like that. So, twenty four hours later, journalist Jeff Stein tweeted. He deleted the tweet and he t- tweeted out a screen capture of it because, you know, journalists only ever correct the record when they can no longer deny reality. He says yesterday. I tweeted this quote, provided to me by the senator's office without checking it against the video. That was my fault. Though it captured his meaning, I deleted the tweet since some of the words in the quote were inaccurate. Now, I'll play you again the relevant part of the quote. I won't play you the whole clip. Here is Fetterman. Uh, The Republicans want to give a a work requirement for SNAP, you know, for a a hungry family has to to have these this kind of penalties or these some kinds of word working uh, required shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sell your bank you, with billions of your bank because they seem to be more pre- preoccupied uh, when than snap 
uh, and requirements for works for hungry people, but not about protecting the tax the taxpayers. You know that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it. And see, that's a little bit different from the incoherence or from the coherent quote of. Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we bail out your bank? Republicans seem to be more preoccupied with SNAP requirements for hungry people than protecting taxpayers that have to bail out these banks. It's kind of weird to say, shouldn't a bank have a working requirement? A bank is a bank. I don't know why they are working. You know, it's better to say, shouldn't you let the bank collapse? But whatever. Whatever. Putting aside the stupidity of the concept, he didn't give you the whole quote. And what was really interesting is Jeff Stein at the Washington Post got this quote from Fetterman's office. From Fetterman, they gave him a coherent quote. Now, if you're getting a coherent quote from Fetterman that is not a press release, but is in reference to something that happened in real life, should you not, then shouldn't you basically easily, quickly check that? Don't you know that he can't speak that way? His brain does not work that way? Shouldn't that be kind of a, a thing you want to fact check? They And what's amazing to me is this guy over on uh, Twitter pointed this out, so I can't take credit for it, a guy named Bonchi. Bonchi Red State is what he's at, Bonchi Red State, he says, So you were given a fake quote by John Fetterman's office, and you weren't looking to ask them why. The media has gone crazy and gone all in on Dianne Feinstein. Now, Dianne Feinstein is old. Dianne Feinstein is not in the best of health. But she made a false statement to a reporter. Now, I don't know the whole context of it. I heard the quick false statement. I'm not going to play it for you, but she's... Saying they want her to resign. The left wants Dianne Feinstein to resign because they want somebody young in there. They want a a functioning brain and body on the Senate Judiciary Committee to help push through Joe Biden's judicial nominees. And her absence, while she dealt with shingles for two and a half months, was a massive inconvenience. It slowed down the stacking of the courts process that the left wants. And so Feinstein denied that she was gone. She, I think she misspoke or whatever. I think she's talking about a different time frame. She's been back for a couple of weeks. And she said she's been back and she's been voting. She was not gone. She was working remotely. All of those things. She's not all there. She's retiring. But it's her choice. But the left is wildly upset about it. They're trying to run her out of office. John Fetterman doesn't get that same type of treatment. John Fetterman will show up eventually when it matters. He spent six weeks, which is a month longer than just about anybody else ever, in inpatient depression treatment, because I suspect he was dealing with the um, stroke rehab that he never did. But Fetterman's camp lies to a reporter. And that's not a story. I'm just deleting this tweet because it's slightly different. Well, you know the difference. It's a huge difference. The quote is significantly longer and rambles on and makes absolutely no sense. It's not, you know, slightly different and oops, they gave me a quote that I should have checked it against the video. Realistically, a reporter, a journalist should have checked it against the video and then done a story about why in the hell is this guy in the United States Senate because he can't do the damn job. Why isn't he getting inpatient treatment for his medical condition? That should be the damn story. But instead, the guy just deletes it and goes, "Ah, oopsie, my bad, sorry about that. Sorry I reported a lie. Sorry I reported a fabrication. And they all go about their business. They're running down, tracking down Diane Feinstein in a wheelchair. She'll be gone soon enough. Relax. Right? The people of California elected her. They didn't elect her when she was 23 and now suddenly she's 93. They elected her when she was very old. I believe she's one of the top five oldest people to ever win a senatorial election. They knew what they were getting when they voted for it. 
Let her be. Unless you're all a nation of Don Lemons over there on the left, where people go, she's she's past her prime. It's time to put her out to pasture. Speaking of putting things out to pasture, I don't know if you, there is, Pride Month is coming. I don't know what you're planning on doing in June, but you can send all cash donations for my birthday directly to me. There is this thing called Pride Month. Why is it's the middle of May? It's not June. It's decidedly not June. Yet it has already started. Certain retail outlets, certain left-wing retail outlets, you're going to see a hell of a lot more. Ford has a commercial now that I'd play it for you, but it's literally just truck sounds driving. So it's not really. It just be they're driving through the mud. It's a two Ford pickup trucks. They're both covered in filth, and one goes through a sprinkler and he cleans it off, and it's a red. What the hell is a red uh, Raptor? And it's partially clean after it goes through the sprinklers, and then another one goes through a puddle, and I don't know what the hell it is, but it's uh, rain painted rainbows. They're both pickup trucks. Rainbow, gay pride rainbow, and it says redefining tough and tough shows up and the rainbow flag ripples through tough now it's not even pride month yet but the ford ford motor company is already going yes we're down with it we're down with it we're super down with it okay if that's what you like none of these companies learned are they incapable of stopping any look the ford family and Ford Motor Company, they've got a lot to make up for. Henry Ford was a massive anti-Semite. But they're actually throwing in with anti-Semites on the progressive left. Nobody hates themselves, some Jews and some Israel, like pretty much every leftist on a college campus. Just saying. But then there's these videos going around, and I've retweeted some of them. Juanita Broderick tweeted one out, at Clown World. At Clown World, then one underscore is a good follow for this sort of stuff the kids section at target apparently i haven't been to a target in a while and i'm gonna have to go just to check this out but when you walk in it's already got the big pride display yay pride yay pride i don't care and nobody whenever i get got laid in my life i didn't go well now we must have a parade the world needs to know and i'm super proud of the job i did no i'm catholic there was a lot of guilt involved (laughs) <laughs> but it was it's you don't need to celebrate straight normal people going yeah you know what celebrate my sexuality now it's weird as so, so much of our culture now denigrates straight normal sex that is really responsible for why we're all here they don't like it like, okay well you know i don't know what to tell you about that but Target has a giant pride selection of clothing and books and Everything you can possibly imagine. Some of it is really kind of gross. There's no other word for it. There is underwear. You can find this out there. There is underwear designed for tucking your junk back down there. For kids. For kids. Not adult underwear. You want to tuck it back? I don't care what you do with it. Just leave it. Keep it away from me. Keep it away from the people I love. But do with it whatever you will, as long as whatever you do it with is willing. But no. Tuck back underwear specific for that. Pride shirts. Pride this. Pride that. Everything else you can possibly imagine. And you're sitting there and you're going, what the hell is going on with our culture? And it goes back to what I always say. The enemies of the United States don't have to try and destroy the United States. They don't. They just have to wait. As a matter of fact, attempts to destroy the United States or kill Americans. If you notice that international terrorism, knock wood, against Americans is down significantly. Why? Because you don't poke the bear while the bear is killing itself. You might distract the bear from fighting with another bear if you poke it and now suddenly it comes after you. The left will do their work for them. They don't have to spend the money. They don't have to spend the manpower. They don't have to piss us off so that we go and seek revenge against them because even a Democrat president would be hard-pressed to sit back and just take it on the chin, the murder, wholesale murder of a bunch of Americans. So you don't give them the opportunity. And you just sit and you watch this crap 
and you see how the left is rotting our culture. Something called Pink News. It's the world's, according to their Twitter bio, it's the world's most read and watched LGBTQ plus digital media publisher. I don't know what that means. Could be, you know, there's two of them and one only has 100,000 followers and this one has 290,000 followers, whatever. You don't have to, the tallest midget in the world. They put together something because apparently today was International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. I don't know. I don't make this crap up. It's Every day is something stupid. But they said this International Day Against uh, homia, Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia, we've put together this thread to create awareness about microaggressions against the LGBTQIA plus community, huh. which people don't realize are harmful. No, we don't care because the problem is yours. If you're offended, the problem is yours. Say, all right, so what is it? What are these micro, they say, what are microaggressions is the first thing. Microaggressions are actions that negatively target a person or a specific group of people, such as the LGBTQ community. People may not realize they are making a microaggression comment or action, and they may not mean harmful harm towards anyone, but still microaggressions can be very hurtful to those who experience them. Tough shit. Yeah, forgive me, but I just, I can't take this crap anymore. I don't care. Your feelings are hurt. Oh, no, you're going to give the sads all day. I don't care. Good. You need to toughen up, buttercup. What are types of microaggressions, are there? Verbal, such as a commentator or question that is hurtful or stigmatizing, e.g. asking what a lesbian couple, which one of you is the guy? Behavioral. Acting in a discriminatory or hurtful way, e.g. at a restaurant, a server ignoring a trans person or serving a cis person instead. Yeah, I don't want to go to the weirdo over there. Or environmental, when subtle discrimination occurs in society, e.g. schools marketing materials not reflecting the school's diversity. Uh, What do you make the trans population of a school is, the average school? Point zero 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 percent. You have to have some dude in a dress front and center in all marketing material, or do you just need to get over yourself, right? This is how the left is. This is what I mean when I say we're out of problems, that we're actually literally out of real problems, that these activist organizations that make their money pandering to people, telling them how big of victims they are and how, oh, we'll protect you. That they have to lower the bar, dumb down definitions to the point of absurdity in order to create enough victims to justify their existence. Examples of microaggressions against the alphabet mafia. Using terminology like, that's so gay. Deliberately not using someone's preferred pronouns. Well, I'm guilty of that one because screw you guys. Making assumptions about someone based on their sexuality, gender identity, or ethnicity. Uh, Don't do that. Nobody does that, except for you leftists, because you promised that they're all lefty, progressive drones in the drone army because they choose penis or no penis. Suggesting that a person is not a real man or a woman. Well, I do that all the time, and I do that to my straight friends, too, because... I'm not going to let jackasses like you tell me what I can and can't do. Excluding people from discussions. No, I'll exclude you not from discussions. I'll exclude a man in a dress from everything, not just discussions. Why? Because I don't want to deal with it. I don't have to deal with it, so I just walk away. I don't wish you ill. I just wish you away. All right? You demand special treatment. You want to alter reality for yourself, you can't do it, but go ahead, knock yourself out. You want to alter reality for me, you can go jump in a lake. I'm not going to play that game. So I'm really, I'm saying no thank you because I don't want to offend you other ways. God, are these, are people this thin skinned? If they are, then you're doomed. All right, you're doomed. Get professional help. Saying, quote, I'm not homophobic, transphobic, or biphobic, but I'm not homophobic, uh, but, and then ellipse. 
Well, I am not homophobic, transphobic, or biphobic, but I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. It's mostly because you're trying to force me to give a damn, and I'm not going to play that game. So, yeah. And lastly, keeping quiet when a microaggression is directed against someone else. See, they want to train a whole bunch of army of flying monkeys to be offended on behalf of other people. You're not, you didn't even notice that you were just microaggressed against. No, I didn't. What happened? Oh, my God. I was microaggressed again. I'm so sorry. I need to go demand an apology. I demand an apology on behalf of this person who was the target of your microaggression but missed it. And even when it was pointed out to them, was therefore not even offended by it. I, I will protect you from that. This is pink news. These are the people that I wish ill on. Not because they're gay, not because they're anything else, but because they are destructive to the civil society. Don't play this game. Don't go down this road. Don't do it. Don't let them win. Hold your ground every step of the way. You walk into a Target, if you have to, sometimes you just got to go to Target. I'd recommend not going to Target, but sometimes you just got to go to Target. And you see the big rainbow thing filled with kids' clothes and books about blowing dudes and whatever. I don't care what people do in their private, but you want to indoctrinate kids? I got a problem with it. Your sexuality should have nothing to do with kids, Okay. It's kind of gross, actually, and makes me wonder about people who go, I need to express my sexuality to my students in class because they need to know. No, they don't need to know. What you need is affirmation of your existence from a kid. There's something wrong with you, all right? And that your sexuality, your identity is based on who you go to bed with, not who you are as a person, what you do on a daily basis. There's just something fundamentally wrong with you, and you shouldn't be allowed in the zip code with a school. I'm going to play you this psychiatrist. He works at Texas Children's Hospital. And he's an advocate for trans this. and tra- They all are, aren't they? You don't want someone like this anywhere near your kid at all. But he basically says, hey, man, sometimes you got to tell parents that their rights don't really matter. Because his priority is to make sure that nobody ever harms himself and nobody ever feels bad. And they use the same thing they use in classic manipulation stories of you can either have a dead son or a live daughter. You can't have both. Um, It's wildly dangerous. And when something becomes trendy and there's really no barrier to entry and there's no consequence for it, you end up with a whole bunch of people going into it. And then you've got people like this SOB. You can find this in my Twitter feed if you want to see the video. Uh, this SOB trying to push kids into permanently butchering their bodies for that political agenda rather than treating obvious either trend-following or gender dysphoria. So later the mother asked me, you know, what about my parental rights, my rights as a parent? You know, really asking me, can you call my child their uh, preferred name and pronouns? Okay. So, and I, I had a student with me, um, and I said, you know, ma'am, I, you, you do have many parental rights, um, but I have to adhere to my own ethical standards as a physician. And I know the best thing to do for this child, their mental health, and really even their, their risk of suicide is to provide, is, is to show them that respect of using the pronouns they go by, using the name they go by. Um, and I'm often kind of working with families in the sense that, you know, I, I'm not here to kind of question your entire worldview or belief system. But to work with you as a consultant, I can tell you both from experience and from the research, um, your child is less likely to both attempt and die by suicide if we use uh, a support, supportive terminology with them and an open open mind. Um, and they're much less likely to have uh, morbidity from anxiety, depression, and a number of other psychiatric issues if we use this affirming model. Look, my job is to make sure your kids, okay, so I have to go against your distinct wishes because I know what, I care more about your kid than you do. I care more about your kid than you. And if you don't want them being trans or playing along with the trans or indulged, 
I have to. I have to. It's important. And so I'll do. Your rights, yeah, parental rights, blah, blah, blah. But what's more important? My work is more important. This is what the left does. This is how they do it. Look, you can do whatever you want. You have freedom of speech, but you can't go around saying hate speech. You declare everything to be hate speech. Yeah, but you can't go around saying hate speech. And that's hate speech, what you just said there. So you can't say that. They are finding ways to weasel their way into people's lives and separating the family, the destruction of the family in any way they can, the destruction of norms, and it has to be stopped. So maybe it involves a little subterfuge. You go into a target and you cover up all the the infant pride, queer, 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 queer shirts. Seriously, that's what they're selling there uh, for for toddlers. Maybe you, you cover them up. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just don't go into Target. Maybe you treat them the way you have Bud Light. You survived without that crap. Your liver thanks you. Maybe you can survive without the garbage from Target, right? It's worth a shot. You can't let these people win. You can't let them do what they do without consequence. There has to be consequence. There has to be. Because there's consequences for what they're doing. Anyway, I'm sure there'll be more about this stuff uh, in the coming days. There always is. They are absolutely insane. But yeah, childhood tucking underwear and chest binding shirts for young girls is just gross. It's just gross. Anyway, thank you for uh, listening. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. And uh, God knows what will happen between now and then. But I'm sure it will be stupid and enraging, and we'll cover all of it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.